0: Hello, stargazers, and welcome to Seventh House Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Isaac. For those of you who are just joining me, well, welcome. I'm glad that you found my podcast today. And what we do with Seventh House Astrology? Mainly, I take an aspect, or recently I've been taking planets. Sometimes I also take a, a topic that's usually related to relationships. And I tend to explore it using Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Relationship Astrology. Also, if you've heard of composite charts, that becomes synonymous with Sinistry Astrology. But I explore it using Sinistry Astrology. And then I try my best at the end of each episode, and I say my best to answer the question of what makes relationships tick and mainly is just kind of answering that question due to the astrological information that I had imparted for the week's episode. For those of you who are continuing to join me, well welcome still. I'm actually glad that Seventh House astrology is giving you the information that you need and also that you are enjoying my podcast. Before I get into this week's episode, I do have to say last episode, which was about two weeks ago, we had covered Venus retrograde. It was actually the 19th of December of 2021 that Venus first went retrograde. And as promised, I would love to start off this episode with a Venus retrograde update of what I have been noticing lately. So with the Venus retrograde update, there is some good news, and then there's also some bad news. I'll start off with the good news. The good news is my predictions of Capricorn, you know, Capricorn's meticulous, patient, and very grounded energy is actually blunting the effects of Venus retrograde in conjunction with Pluto. Pluto. So basically right now, Venus retrograde and Pluto, they're very close to each other. They're in what we call in conjunction when it comes to the two relationships of the two. What I was afraid of would be uh, with, was with Venus retrograde, people are already are being very, well, I don't want to say all, they are already, but usually the prediction is people become nasty, either societally. Or there are lots of either intermarital um, arguments. There's also a lot of interrelationship arguments that tend to occur during Venus retrograde with Pluto being in the, you know, Pluto being conjunct Venus retrograde i also was afraid of power mongering tactics that happened to come along and add extra baggage especially for the holiday season but lo and behold uh, capricorn has been blunting both energies to where actually people are pretty decent i think um, there have been only a couple of situations three to be exact Where people have been minorly annoying. I think one of those incidents happened to be where one guy thought it would be really awesome to go, you know, to veer right into a puddle and rev the gas up and splash me when I was waiting to cross the street. But I'm sorry, compared to 2013, Venus retrograde of 2000, I'm sorry, not 2013, 2015, where I had an incident where uh, the gentleman thought it was a very good idea to shout obscenities at me, not only in front of his kid, but also in the middle of the neighborhood. Honestly, I'll take trying to resolve somebody's egomaniac running through a puddle any day. Honestly, the running through the puddle is quite, it's more of a nuisance. It's very tame. I'll take that any day. I'll take that any Venus retrograde as opposed to the opposite of what I faced in 2015. The bad news, unfortunately, about Venus retrograde, while everybody else has been pretty supportive, at least to me, in a lot of respects, unfortunately, I'm the one who's being the problem child is what I've been seeing. And it's usually my temper that's been getting in my way. And I, it's just that I think it's the result of the feeling or the feeling being the result of you know that feeling that life is not really cooperating with me right now. It's like when li- when I really would like for life to be there, sometimes it's just not there and that can be the frustration. And some of the times when I feel like life is not there, I feel like I'm getting a lot of overcrowdedness from people or over clinginess from people. And I think that's what's been kind of stirring the fuse of my temper the other thing is uh, Venus retrograde and Pluto are also outside my sixth house. My health, unfortunately, has been kind of dicey. Um, knowing that the sixth house is due to health, it governs health, it governs how we relate with our coworkers. With my health, it's been kind of dicey and in, in and out. Partly the reason why I didn't record last week was because I did have an emergency literal emergency to where I was in the ER, the emergency room. And uh, it was a little scary, but at least it's the good news about this is that the, the health issue is going to be fixed. I'm going to see a specialist. Things are looking up when it comes to that. Unfortunately for my temper, things need to look up as well. So Because I am not a child of circumstance, I do practice what I preach. I have been looking into articles where it's how to not be nasty or how to not be, excuse my language, a bitch. And uh, I've been following that recently. Also, I've been looking back into the Enneagram, which is a second passion of mine. And really taking a re-look at my Enneagram number and seeing what sort of lessons I could carry into life from there. One thing that seems to carry through is, you know, kind of stepping back and taking retaking a look at what's going on whenever I especially feel that life is not cooperating with me or life is just not there for me. Maybe it is there. Maybe just kind of taking a relook at circumstances, and also taking a relook at people as well. That maybe, even though I see that people can be needy and clingy, and they're crowding me out, especially in my na- when I'm walking through my neighborhood, you know, instead like retaking a look at that and actually seeing that maybe, you know, actually seeing the real motives because a lot of people don't have that intention; they're just walking the dog or they're just taking a walk just like I am, or they're just kind of minding their own business. So definitely taking that extra perspective has been very helpful. And of course, really not speaking on every single thing that pops into my head is also very helpful as well too. But if you do see yourself as I'm seeing myself right now, which is that Venus retrograde is not really treating you very well. Again, kind of like with me, take a look at some of the inward situations. I mean, retrograde planets are really great for inward journeys and inner journeys. Take a look inward and see what's really going on. You know, is there an outside influence that's causing what ails you or could you be carrying something from your past, or is there something legitly going on with you that is causing the 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 um the friction, so to speak, when it comes to Venus retrograde? And the good news is, the more inner work that we can do during Venus retrograde, especially when it comes to societal relationships, uh, just general relationships overall the more that we will be prepared and the more that we can grow as our own individual selves for when Venus goes direct. So that's like I said, that's always the the nice little ray of sunshine through the clouds that like to gather um, during retrograde cycles, especially with Venus retrograde. So definitely keep that in mind and definitely Take take that inner journey and see where it takes you as well. So for this week, due to the fact that we just rang in a brand new year, first off, happy twenty twenty two everybody. Um, numerology. A lot of numerologists have been pointing to lots of great associations to this year. I know in Chinese astrology we're moving, we're, we will be moving away from the year of the ox to the year of the tiger, so that will be interesting and exciting, all enough in itself, but definitely just it's always nice to welcome in a brand new year. I I just, I always love the sense of renewal when it comes to new year's Eve and just always when it comes to January, you know, just that, just that new fresh start to just everything. So happy 2022. Absolutely. But I just thought because we welcomed in a brand new year, we rang it in I thought that this week it would be appropriate to cover Jupiter and how Jupiter is associated with Sinistry Astrology. So before I get into associations and what Jupiter really means in a Sinistry Astrology chart, I always like to pair off my episodes with a question. I just always find that questions are always nice to meditate on, to kind of think about and kind of come back to when it comes to the episode. But my big question is, how do you feel about a relationship where you're both involved in creating and inventing the relationship as it goes? Like really both your guys' ideas snowball and they help to create and spiral upward and help to, just like I said, create the best relationship possible or just to help create the relationship in general. Does it feel liberating? Does it feel exciting? Or does it feel downright overwhelming? Now, remember... There's no right or wrong answers. And if anything else, if nothing else, it also indicates where your Jupiter placement is and how it relates to your partner's Jupiter placement as well, too. But getting on to Jupiter, so some of the general associations within general astrology. So Jupiter is definitely that planet that elicits expansion when it comes to its energy. Expansion very much like the ninth house, where it's definitely a mind altering experience. So, Jupiter tends to be experienced with a lot of college students when they first go into college, especially. Because, you know, you, you're really learning new things, you're learning new topics that can really expand your mind about the world around you, as well as that subject matter can really inform you and really expand your mind just in general. I also look at expansion, too, when it comes to synastry astrology in the regard that Expansion can really indicate that this relationship will definitely change you. And depending on where Jupiter's influence lies, either within your partner's chart or within your chart, or especially with your partner's Jupiter placement within your chart, usually this relationship will inform you and change you, not just for the duration of the relationship, but for many years to come. And I would say with this expansion, it's definitely a starting ground of where you will learn in the relationship as well. Jupiter is also responsible for growth. Um, Again, growth tends to be associated like it could grow a bank account. It can help you grow your life or you can find growth within your life. Where I have actually seen the physical representation of Jupiter is with astrobotany. So th- so I have to say thank you to the Astrology Podcast um, by Chris Brennan, and also to Diane Rose Harper and Sarah Corbett, who were his guests on his um, Herbalism and Astrology episode. Both uh, Diana Rose Harper and Sarah Corbett had actually inspired me to start observing plants because they had mentioned that as herbalists, that's where you have to really, it's a slow art form. It's a slow learning curve. And being a slow learning curve, you're mainly mainly spending a lot of time with plants. I kind of thought that this would be a great way to ground me and also to kind of take a look at planetary influences and how they influence plants in general as well. And then also the lunar influences, of course, and how they encourage plants. But during the waning moon, and this was like close to the winter solstice, Jupiter actually is very prominent in the sky. And one of my plants, the common holly, which is actually still out and about and growing, well, with common holly, what was very interesting was that even though it was like dead in late autumn into early winter, where it's very hard pressed to see any sort of planetary or to see any sort of plant growth in general, here's this, com- many, it wasn't just one common holly bush. There were like many common holly bushes around the neighborhood that were actually experiencing growth. Especially in the leaves near the soil, which was very interesting. And it wasn't just a little bit of growth either. It was massive growth. While the top of the bush was actually experiencing deciduating effects as well. As if that wasn't enough, either there was some growth with some pod beans, is what I'd like to call them, or like a bean-like sort of shape to where berries were going to come out. And then there are other uh, bushes that actually had berries that were growing at that time. And I mean, there was waning moon, which usually with waning moon, plants either stay kind of stable or they don't grow at all. They're just kind of, you know, at a stasis. Or... They're starting to deciduate it was quite it was quite interesting like I said to see Jupiter's influence and i I'd have to attribute it to that because like I said you can you can still see Jupiter in the sky um especially in the Denver, Colorado region it's actually closer to the mountains now, but at that time it was like right above dead center in the sky, which was kind of interesting. So for me, that was really a nice physical representation of Jupiter and its growth. But again, its figurative growth is obviously where you can expand upon your life or where you you find growth and potential in your life. And also I think with growth in relationships within synastry astrology, Jupiter is that planet that actually matures you. And again, it's really dependent upon where Jupiter, where your partner's Jupiter placement is in your chart, where it falls in your chart, also where your Jupiter placement falls in your partner's chart as well, because that's where the both of you will see where you will mature and in which areas you will mature and maturity being more of being less egocentric and less first house oriented and more... In tune with your partner's needs and willing to respond to your partner's needs as well, which I found to be interesting. With Jupiter, a lot of astrologers love Jupiter because of its association with luck. Now, being born on the day of long odds, August the thirteenth, is known as being the day of long odds. Trust me, stargazers, when I when I say this. Throughout the whole of my life, I have seen days where I see both good luck and bad luck happening simultaneously throughout the day. And to be honest with you, in having that situation happen simultaneously throughout the day, what I say about luck and Jupiter, you know, Jupiter and luck, definitely don't become complacent on it. Because luck is very fickle. Well, first and foremost, when it comes to Jupiter, Jupiter does move from one house to the next. So if it's well-aspected in your chart at, you know, like if the transit is well-aspected to your natal chart, it will move to where it will not be well-aspected. So that's where I say don't rely on the luck too much because, like I said, Jupiter moves and so does its influence, But also luck is a very fickle thing. it's a very fickle thing indeed. What I would say is if you're going to look at luck, look at what you can learn from luck. So if you're finding that you're getting lucky in money, well, maybe you're not really, maybe it's not just luck per se that's aiding you. Perhaps there's a particular skill that you're employing to have that luck happen. And maybe if you learn that skill, what that skill is, and learn how to cultivate it to where it's an honest, genuine skill, you can definitely use that skill to further yourself more in the future. Or if in relationships, say you're getting lucky with the ladies, or getting lucky with a gentleman, or you're getting lucky with your partner, well, that's nice, but Maybe again, there's a personality trait that you are utilizing at that point that is making you irresistible, or maybe there is a personality trait that is making you very sexy. And again, you could use that to further your relationship onward. And of course, also, if it's just in your, you know, like job prospects or any other areas in life, again, look at the skill that you're building or that luck is giving to you. Now, when you become overly too reliant on luck, not only does it fade and become very fickle. I know this from experience being born on the day of long odds myself, but as a Uh, Rachel Stewart Haas also mentions in Mercury in Retrograde that you can also become overly complacent and you know overly reliant on the luck that you almost become lazy in life. You're not really learning as to how you can grow, as to how you can expand, and you're just kind of relying on. Jupiter, so to speak. And like I said, Jupiter, just like Sagittarius, they move. Jupiter moves on. And when it moves on, it moves quickly. And what might be a favorable aspect one day will not be the next. And also Rachel Stewart Haas goes so far as to mention that when people rely too much like on luck or they rely too much on growth with Jupiter, she reminds them too. It's like, you know, Jupiter can grow your bank account. And it's luck can also help to grow your bank account, but it can also help to grow your waistline and also grow your chances towards obesity or grow your chances towards unhealthy habits. So definitely cultivate the better habit and just seeing like seeing what skills come up and try to learn from what Jupiter's bounty gives to you, either within relationships or also just on your own. And the last thing too that Jupiter also brings is healing, and again with uh, healing, I actually look at it as not only just the physical healing and the benefits that Jupiter can bring to you, but also Jupiter tends to challenge you and ask you, "What are you learning from the healing?" As well too could could the physical healing and could the healing of a physical ailment also bring about really profound spiritual insights that you've never really considered before you know from moving from illness to health maybe there's something very there's this big insight that you've been missing throughout your life or maybe there's a sense of gratitude that you really have been missing in this in in your life lately Also with healing, even if it's like a psycho-emotional sort of situation, you're kind of repairing that. Maybe there's a deeper insight that you've been missing and that's also coming forth. And that's where, again, those deeper insights can be used as lessons for many years to come down the line and not just in the immediate circumstance What really comes to mind for me right now is when I suffered from generalized anxiety disorder, when I was 16 to 17 years old, what I felt when I was healing, trying to heal myself from that, or at least trying to come to a common ground where I wasn't so debilitated by that was when I found healing in how to not only overcome it, you know, like what therapists were using at the time. But also, again, those deep spiritual insights such as being for me was being very present in my life, um, being there for myself, being my best advocate and also seeing deep inward and seeing that, yes, I was actually acting on courage and just kind of seeing like where my strengths were inside myself as opposed to being, you know, synonymous with the disorder that was going on inside of me. So, definitely, I think that that's a uh, def- good, definite commonplace of, you know, like very Jupitarian, the Jupiterian aspect of healing as well. I think, above all, when it comes to either sinistry or just general astrology associations, Jupiter is definitely that planet where it. Asks you to really pull back a lot, and definitely, it's not just that these sort of aspects and these sort of attributes and archetypes come out, but with these archetypes, it's like uh, it, it again asks you, what are you learning? And I think this is why Jupiter also rules Sagittarius because Sagittarians are very much like this. What am I learning? What am I continually learning every single day? That's also the Common associations with the ninth house as well, too. So always expanding, you know, that, that expansion is always what are, where are you going? What are you learning? And how can you use what you're learning to help you further down the line? And it's amazing what sort of skills you actually find when Jupiter's very prime in your chart. Usually if it's like in a trine or if it's in a good aspect to your chart. And also I just think with um, relationships, if it's looking very good, if if Jupiter, both your Jupiter placements are in good places for you both. Again, you're both going to teach each other. I think as partners, you're both going to teach each other things that you're not only going to just remember now, but you'll remember for 50 years down the line. You'll remember forever. And you'll remember it as being the most wonderful experience that you've ever had in your life. You know, that there's just that teaching and that learning experience all the way around. So, as you noticed, while I was talking a little bit about the general associations of Jupiter with just general astrology, I was trying to also go into sinistry astrology. But to get into sinistry just a little bit more and what Jupiter means. Well, when I first got into Sinistry astrology, a lot of Sinistry astrologers would say that Jupiter is where you support each other. Now that seems to make sense because as I mentioned with the expansion and the growth in relationships earlier, Jupiter, you know, with, it, with supporting each other, again, that's where you are bringing it forward and paying it forward to your partner. So for instance, if, Someone has Jupiter outside their partner's son's position in Sagittarius, where that partner may feel as though they need to go on a certain adventure, like they want to go pack their bags and go and go hike the Himalayas, you know, within 24 hours. The Jupiterian person would be more inclined to not only support that decision, but also to... Maybe add something like, hey, that sounds really exciting. Could I come too? Or if I can't really come, well, that sounds exciting, but you know what? You also inspired me to do this adventure that I've been wanting to do for so long. A similar aspect can happen if, say, a Jupiter person has their Jupiter placement outside of somebody who has a Venus placement in Pisces whereas the person who has the venus pa- placement in pisces feels as though they are very they really wear their heart on their sleeve they're very compassionate and they really love to bring love forward well they can idealize love as well too that they, they really work on bringing love to the fore and really just bringing lots of love to the table and love to, and just loving interactions to the relationship Well, for the person who has Jupiter outside that placement, guess what? Instead of just selfishly receiving that love and giving nothing else in return to that person, that person or the Jupiter person actually instead is more inclined to not only receiving this wonderful bounty of love from this beautiful person, but they actually give it back It's in a way they almost mirror it back. And again, it's, it's a way to, it's like, Hey, you're caring for me, but let me make sure that I am caring for you. You know, in a way i would mentioned that Jupiter with its growth, it helps you to kind of grow up a little in relationships. When Jupiter is meant to support one another, I feel like Jupiter is that place where you both really do grow up and this is how, you know, you stop focusing on you and you stop focusing on your egocentric little world and you start focusing more on your partner and it's very it's very exciting to see in a synastry chart because it's you know where exactly that hits is where that person is there for you or where you're there for that person as well too and where you're the most the most uh, supportive and also that person's biggest fan. And I feel like that's a beautiful, I feel like Jupiter in a way in synastry can be very transformative and the transformation is very beautiful. Whenever we veer away from just us to our partner or to other people, there's nothing like it in the world, in my view. Well, I also had to take a look at John Townley, of course, and with John Townley, he had mentioned that Jupiter represents our mutual aspirations and you notes, know, where our mutual aspirations and inventiveness meet. And that's where it comes back to our question from the beginning of this episode. So when it comes down to you and your partner are co-creating this relationship, does it feel kind of scattered or overwhelming, which Jupiter can bring, or does it feel kind of exciting? And I mean, that's also something that Jupiter can bring in. It just depends on where it's placed in your chart. Personally, when I met, when I had seen mutual aspirations and inventiveness meet, so I'm an individual who's. Jupiter placement is actually in Sagittarius for me. So for me, co-creating and inventing a relationship and having that snowball upward and spiraling upward is really exciting for me personally. But what came to mind for me was my scholarly relationship with my professors in school where there would be just set specific professors with me who they would have like this ideology or they would present a theory that came from the textbook or they'd present a theory in general in class. And I would remember it would like incite my theories and really inspire me to share my theories and my intellect and then inspire them to go even further into their theory. And it just kind of bounced off and snowballed from there. I felt like that was actually very exciting even though it was kind of a situation where it's, it's a sort of, you know, energy interaction that doesn't stop. So it was probably very annoying for all of my colleagues in class. But, you know, when it comes to a relationship, it's definitely something that can snowball and kind of move upward and onward. Now, again, John Townley also mentions it depends on where Jupiter is aspected and if there's anything that could be in conflict So, I mean, for example, if somebody has Jupiter outside their partner's house and in that partner's house Saturn happens to reside, that Saturnian person could get a little overwhelmed with the the snowball effect that goes upward, upward, upward. And so instead, what might have to happen when it comes to this mutual aspirations and inventiveness is that the Jupiter person would have to have a lot of patience for the Saturn person to move the relationship upward and onward, but more in a methodical and in a very disciplined approach not in a very spontaneous approach as what I have experienced. So it's definitely, as I said, it definitely depends on how well Jupiter's aspected, if there are any hard aspects, if there's any hard conjunctions in the chart as well. It goes without saying that creativity can be strong if well aspected and can bring a spawning ground of limitless opportunity. Like I said, that snowball effect right there. And John Townley goes even further to say that Jupiter can be a place of blessings when in the synastry chart. And it can indicate where the relationship is blessed. And that makes sense because, again, you're growing to where you're thinking outside yourself. And you are trying to be more for your partner. And that partner is also inspired to be more there for you. And I think with those blessings, I, I think just that alone, that sense of growth can really bring those blessings in in the chart. You can pull each other up when Jupiter is well-aspected, when the other person is down. Um, that's what it can also indicate. It also shows you the bigger picture of what the relationship truly is and gives teaching opportunities. Very much like the general astrological associations. A lot of times within the relationship, and especially where Jupiter's aspected, everybody can get kind of like caught up in that that snowball effect or a variation of that snowball effect. That you know, you kind of get overwhelmed and you start to neglect yourself and your uh, your obligations and your goals and your dreams so what townley usually recommends is sometimes pull back from the person even though the situation and the person may seem ideal sometimes just getting a little more pulling back and getting a little more perspective in the relationship is always very helpful when jupiter is very prominent or when Jupiter is, wherever Jupiter's aspect in the chart, it's always that place to, to pull back and get a better insight. The same is true if Jupiter should be in hard aspect in either person's chart. Um, it's a great place to, again, pull back and gain some insight as to what's not working and maybe find what could work in that relationship and how to be more there for your partner or how your partner can be more there for you as well. And just like with the general associations, there are some negatives with Jupiter first and foremost with the creativity Creativity may not bring its full potentials depending on the aspects of the chart. And what Townley had mentioned is that overblown expectations and biting off more than you can chew can really be the result of that. I always thought that Neptune was the planet of ideals when it came to synastry charts and also just in general, in general charts like where we idealize life, but also where we idealize lovers and partners. However, I had learned from John Townley that actually Jupiter is also, it's not just Neptune that's responsible for ideals, but also Jupiter is responsible for ideals as well, too. The difference is, as with Neptune, where Neptune is more about daydreaming and really fantasizing about a particular person. Also, I feel like Neptune is a big culprit for projecting your ideals onto a particular person. Jupiter is more along the lines of trying to it's where it's more afflicted with you and it's more actionable planet when it comes to the idealism and the ideals is more along the lines of you're trying to be the ideal for your partner as opposed to you just being yourself for your partner. Last year, I had a bit of an example with this, with my crush with Mr. BB, where I, you know, so instead of just accepting my looks and my appearances as is, as being something that Mr. BB could be attracted to, I had noticed that Mr. BB was attracted to a lot of people who were just the opposite of me. And so that's where I wanted to embody that. So instead of being a brunette, I became blonde. Instead of dressing conservatively, I started to, you know, start to experiment with sexier styles. And again, it was a biting off more than I can chew because it was more about him, you know, doing these things in order to attract somebody like him instead of actually doing things that actually please myself. And it finally came to a head when I was feeling very empty, because obviously I was trying to embody somebody else's ideals, that I really had to rekindle and come back to, okay, how about just being you? Or how about just, you know, pleasing yourself, or really making sure that you're doing things for you as well. So again, with this Jupiter ideal, definitely what I would just say is really don't be so obsessed with trying to please your partner that you veer away from being yourself. And sometimes I think being yourself can be infinitely far more uh, you know, interesting and infinitely far more attractive. If it is not attractive to your potential partner, they're the wrong person to be with. But I think just really being very centered inside of you is really what attracts partners more than anything. John Townley also mentions, he also mentions challenge yourself to develop only what you can gain and veering away from unrealistic expectations. And he mentions unattainable goals. So I think that can also happen between two partners where, You just want the best relationship possible, but with the best relationship possible, you kind of get these, uh, you know, get these goals that are very hard to achieve between the two of you and very hard to achieve in your relationship. And mostly it's because those goals are based off of, once again, ideals. He also further states don't allow for the relationship to take away your individuality and use as a resource which we had explained earlier to not get too wrapped up in the relationship, make sure that you pull back and that you're meeting your own obligations and also equally learning from this beautiful relationship that is taking place in front of you. So with all these interesting things that are occurring with Jupiter and all these interesting factoids that I've had gathered, gathered with Jupiter, this is actually inspiring me to Take a look at a sample chart and see Jupiter in action. So this time around, I also pulled a synastry chart of another power couple that I find to be extremely inspiring in life. And that is the synastry chart of both Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks. So I will go ahead and pause for the cause and we will get into that chart. We're back. So as promised, I am actually I have pulled up Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson's charts and I'm looking at them as we speak. So just to give like a brief astrological view, Tom Hanks is actually a Cancerian person, moon or so sun and cancer. Moon is actually in Leo, and what first comes to mind was, I remembered way back in 1996 that Tom Hanks had revealed that he had taken acting classes because he was very terribly shy as a child, and acting was a way for him to kind of get out of his shell. I just remembered that I was also incredibly introverted and shy myself, and that was a point of inspiration. But that really, to me, sums up a Cancerian personality with a moon in Leo, you, again, it's kind of like having the moon in Aries. There's kind of a dichotomy there, but here is somebody who is very sensitive, who can be very private, but by the same token has that motive to try to get out of the shell of the crab every once in a while and try to get out of that, you know, staying so private and so cloistered. Um, these are individuals that feel like they do need to get out of themselves for a little bit and out of their emotional spheres and out of their intuitive spheres for just a little while, just to kind of interact with life a little bit more. His wife, Rita Wilson, on the other hand, has a sun in Scorpio, moon in Leo. And I kind of feel like this aspect in and of itself really is very interesting in and of itself. but. With the Scorpio uh, sun, this is someone who likes to probe deeply. I think with, in Rita Wilson's case, probe a little deeply as to what acting and the process of acting really means and what it can really bring to life. With someone who has a moon in Leo, this is a scorpion who likes to lead More than anything, the leadership ability of Scorpio and the leadership of Leo comes out full-fledgedly. So they like to lead, but instead of leading with just power and really just being the ultimate tippy top person in mind, they actually rule with the heart a little bit more. And they make a lot of heart centered decisions that can benefit everybody and anybody. I find this is interesting because the sun aspects do get along. So Cancer and Scorpio definitely can get along with each other. They can definitely see eye to eye with each other. Scorpio can definitely give the sympathy and the the support that cancer needs most of the time. And cancer can also bring a little bit that soft touch that Scorpio needs every now and then when they're very intense and moving very forward, very much forward in life. Their moon positions, I find, give them something that's very much in common with both persons having a moon in Leo. It kind of tells me they both understand each other emotionally. Or they really are in touch with each other emotionally because they have some of the same archetypes that occur or similar archetypes that occur with that, with the moon being in Leo. Um, Some things being like being heart centered, maybe being a little bit more gracious in life. And whereas water signs usually like to dive into subjective means, I think with Leo, it's like, you know, making sure that there's some objectivity to the subjective conclusions that are being drawn. And I also think that Leo can also provide that sense of really, again, being nice and heart centered, really making good decisions based off of that objectivity and also really not just acting so subjectively um, all the time and really just kind of um, getting a, a well-rounded worldview within life, and especially a well-rounded worldview with each other. So moving into Jupiter, what is interesting is that we'll start off with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks's Jupiter is actually chucked into the 12th house along with Pluto. Now, for those of you who have listened to my affairs episode, I had gone into any planets that are chalked into the 12th house. Well, the 12th house being that of secrets, it's usually planets that are not usually well-formed. So the individual may feel the planets, archetypes inside themselves, but they not might necessarily be able to bring that energy forward and outward With Tom Hanks, it seems like we'll start off with Jupiter. With Jupiter, it seems like its expansiveness, its growth, the ability to really be very creative and innovative as you go along might be stifled a little bit within his chart and might be stifled within him. Uh, He might have an inner sense of luck and an inner sense of growth, but really how that conveys into actionable material in life is a question for him. And it's the same with Pluto, where Pluto, again, it's either a planet of power, if really not very well matured or it can also be the planet of transformation. While Mr. Hanks could maybe internalize what transformation means for him and might internalize what power means for him. Again, it's a weakly aspect of Pluto. So as to having it run out and kind of be out forth in the world, again, that becomes kind of questionable and it's a weak area for him. I would say that in his early years, that would be those two aspects right there were something that he kind of struggled with. Now, Jupiter conjunct Pluto, which that it is within Tom Hanks's chart, usually means so for me, it's lots and lots of power and lots and lots of transformation to go with it. A lot of other astrologers also mentioned that this person has ambitions or usually very big ambitions what i would say with mr hanks is that when it came to his acting career the ambitions were more internalized um and as to how they could be externalized i feel like that's where the acting classes really helped him out tremendously not only to not only to help him to become less of a shyer well less of a shy kid but also to really bring that potential and really bring that, you know, all of his potential and all of his powerful performances out into play. Now, I have to say that being in the 12th house, both plants being in the 12th house, it didn't stop in childhood and it didn't stop with those acting classes there. I would not be surprised if he is an actor who is continually coached, like with Meryl Streep, and that's why he's continually awesome to this day. Um, but that he, you know, needs to continually work with his craft because, again, that the potential, again, is very inward, but how to drive it outward is really kind of challenging for him. Now, with Rita Wilson, her um, position, her Pluto's position is also very interesting because it's right outside of Tom Hanks's uh, Jupiter conjunct Pluto Situation. Now, there are many astrologers that say Pluto with Pluto, that doesn't really mean anything because it's a generational planet. It just means that they're very close in age, which they are. I just kind of warn, you know, with the t- double Pluto aspects, it's like, just be careful of any power tendencies in the relationship. You know, try to transmute any sort of areas where you need to feel like you need to gain power over the individual. Transmute it to where it could be more transformative. Um, so, for example, instead of, you need to do the dishes tonight or else I walk. You know, maybe there's a, a transformative, a, you know, a transformative aspect of, you know, hey it's your turn to do the dishes, but you know what? Maybe I can help you or, Hey, I did the dishes last night. It's your turn to do the dishes tonight. How about you can, you can like, you know, wash the dishes a little bit. I can put them in the, in the dishwasher. You know, I, I would say that with Pluto with Pluto definitely compromise would definitely be a a key area in the relationship and definitely where the relationship can transform and grow. Now, interestingly, Rita Wilson's Jupiter placement is not too far away from Mr. Hanks's Jupiter placement. As a matter of fact, it actually hits his first house directly, and it's right just below the ascendant. What is also very interesting about Rita Wilson's Jupiter placement is that it's conjunct Venus, so the so she is definitely an individual. I take a look at it as lots and lots and lots of love, and nothing less than that. So this is a very beautiful conjunction in her chart, really, and a lot of astrologers agree that individuals who have this it 's a very well Wonderful transit, it's a wonderful thing to have in your natal chart, and it just means that that individual loves to have agreeableness and pleasantness in their life. But really, within the fact that there's lots and lots and lots of love when it comes to Rita Wilson, and that hits outside of Tom Hanks' first house, that can kind of explain why their relationship can be very high-profile. It's not just the fact that they're two famous actors, but I just feel like her attention to Tom Hanks and her love for Tom Hanks really puts their relationship. It really kind of draws the eye and it really kind of draws people in when it comes to their relationship. And it really puts it in the spotlight. And really lots of love is what she gives to him. And when it comes to the support of Jupiter, So that first house is all about the self, usually, when it comes to Tom Hanks. And that first house is in Virgo. So with Tom Hanks, it's obviously very, again, very confined, very private. He's also focused on being the best citizen as well as the best actor possible and also perfecting. There's a sense of perfecting his craft and just also perfecting his persona a little bit. With Rita Wilson, it's not only is she there for him in that first house, but again, there's that support system where she not only hears him out when it comes to that perfection, but she might also kind of help support him in the regard of, hey, ease the expectations on yourself because Virgo tends to have like a lot of high, high expectations And I could see this, especially with acting roles, where it's like, you know, Tom Hanks, hey, no, I might not have gotten this role, or hey, I might not have conveyed this role very clearly. Rita Wilson would be that person to say, hey, don't be too hard on yourself. Maybe you did a lot more than you realized, and maybe you brought more than you realized to the role and to the movie and you might, you, you're, you're an awesome person. You will figure this out. Um, I think really in general, she brings a lot of love to Tom Hanks's sense of self, so to speak when it comes to that first house. And especially with that ascendant too, I would actually say that she even makes Tom Hanks look very attractive as well too. And she looks very attractive next to him as well. And I'd also have to add that it's kind of like with Kira Sedgwick. She was probably the one to say when she saw Tom Hanks, she probably said, you know what? That's the guy for me. That's the guy who I'd like to marry. And she really made it a priority to make sure that that was, that became a priority. For Rita Wilson, both Jupiter and Venus are in her 10th house which really, I think that's also near her midheaven, which really bodes well for her career as an actor as well, too. I mean, she has the, uh, forgive me for saying this, she has the luck, and also she has the agreeableness to kind of do what is necessary for the craft of acting and making sure it comes through in a very stellar fashion. I always would advise somebody who has... Again, Jupiter near the midheaven, again, don't rely too much on the luck um, or you're not going to really go very far. Again, rely on the skill that produces the luck and really take those skills and move them forward uh, for, for like 40 year knowledge as opposed to a four minute ordeal where Jupiter may or may not work out for you in the long term. But all the way around, as we can see, we can definitely see where I would say where Mr. Hanks really not only has evolved a lot within the relationship, but you can definitely see where he evolved a bit to where he's more external and really far more there for both his family as well as for his wife. And also where Rita Wilson is definitely just very much there for her husband and continuing to encourage him onward and upward within their relationship. And I think those are two aspects that really make their relationship stand out. And like I said, I cannot get over their Leo moon, both, you know, both persons being having a Leo moon. It's uh, just a very, like I said, very fascinating. And like I said, again, another Another couple that would know each other both on the anchor level as well as the emotional level. So Stargazers, here comes the this part of the episode where we're asking, what have we learned or what makes relationships tick? What have we learned from Jupiter? Well, with what can make relationships tick, I would say... Definitely learning to see the relationship truthfully without all the guises is something that we can definitely learn from Jupiter. And especially with that pulling back and really seeing the relationship fully and getting away from the the upward spiral and the snowballing effect, really pulling back and seeing what, what it really is and what it really means can be a, equally just as much of a learning opportunity as being a part of the relationship. Again, it's where we mature, where we're giving back to the people who love us is what our Jupiter aspect means. And, you know, really having that transition in life is very beautiful. And it's also a relationship that's not just about chemistry. Again, it's also a learning, you know, this is where Jupiter teaches us that relationships can be a learning opportunity to see what we need to work on and what we need to move forward with, with this knowledge in hand. But also, you know, even with the good things, that there are learning opportunities, that there are, there are great things that you can take with you for years to come down the line, whether, you, whether or not you marry your partner. It's really something that, you again, you can just learn and really store away and take with you for the longest time to come. I also think that Jupiter had taught to me that if you are your own self-confident self and you're not trying to provide guises or you're not trying to be someone who you're not, or you're not trying to strive to be the ideal lover within the relationship, I feel that that is the best attraction of all. And as we saw with Mr. Hanks's chart – Due to, you know, having somebody in his life and having somebody who he wants to really support in his life for as long as possible, we see what could have been a weak Jupiter, we see it move forward to where he is really more outward with the Jupiterian energy, where he's really far more supportive of his wife and of his family. And also where, again, he's really doing his best to really pay it forward when it comes to Rita Wilson's needs as well. You know, it's not just about his own needs. It's also, you know, really clear that it's also about Rita Wilson's needs and how to meet them. But I think, you know, again, to coming back to being yourself, I think that that is the most wonderful, attractive aspect and the most wonderful, attractive thing of all. Um, Being fully grounded in ourselves and being ourselves within the relationship, I think, is really what Jupiter tends to teach to us. And how we can be our full selves and still be that impressive lover is really what Jupiter also tends to teach us as well. Well, Stargazers, this is the time that I have with you for now. Hopefully, this was a very informative episode with Jupiter at the helm. Again, don't be afraid to look up at the stars. As I would mentioned earlier, our planet of the week for this week, Jupiter, is actually close to the Earth still. It's moving towards the southwestern half of the sky. Saturn is not too far behind. It is also very prominent. And the moon is starting to move into crescent phase, you know, going from new to crescent phase. So you can definitely take a look at those planets in full detail with the moon's wonderful, beautiful light guiding you on your way. But above all, just don't be afraid to look up at the stars to look at our origins, especially when it comes to astrology. And above all, stargazers, between now and the next week, be well. And until next week, I will see you then.